Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cara, acne can be tough. Whether your kid is just starting to get breakouts or has been struggling with them for years, there's a great product that can help. Phyla is the ultimate game changer. It tackles acne right at its root cause, rebalancing the skin's bacteria and packing it with probiotic phages. Phyla harnesses the superpowers of probiotics, tiny warriors targeting and wiping out the acne-causing bacteria. In studies, Phyla slashed acne-causing bacteria by a whopping 90%. Phyla doesn't just fix acne you can see. It stops new breakouts in their tracks. It has no harsh chemicals and won't irritate or dry most skin. Phyla's three-step system is like a dermatologist-approved magic potion. Cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. As a special treat for our listeners, you can grab 25% off your first order of Phyla. Head over to phylabiotics.com, enter code PUBERTY at checkout, and kickstart your family's journey to acne-free skin. Check out the link in our show notes for quick access. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Cole bennett Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence, ours and theirs. Vanessa. Hi, Cara. How you doing? I am good. How are you? You know that thing, Vanessa, when you're listening to a podcast and you're trying to figure out if the podcaster has a cold <laughs> and you're like, I think they're sick. And then instead of listening to what they're saying, you're sitting there doing the whole thing where you're going, oh, they had to go to work and record when they had a cold. And you do that. Do you do that? I do that. Um, so the only podcast I listen to is ours and (laughs) (laughs) therefore I always know if one of the people recording has a cold because it's either me or you. (laughs) Well, I'm just saying, if you're wondering, I'm yes, listener, but I feel fine. So you don't have to worry about me. I'm very happy to be here at my microphone recording. There's no room for Cara to ever feel sick. So don't worry and don't ask. She always feels fine. Yes. So she sounds like Kathleen Turner. Uh, She she did not pick up a -a pack-a-day habit between this week and last week. But it might add a little extra saltiness to the conversation, Cara. Let's see. Yeah. There we go. You want to tee up what we're going to talk about? I do. I do. While I sip my lemon and honey. Yes, Cara looks so satisfied with her lemon and honey. And the mug 
is named after her husband. Yes. Dr. Dr. Paul. Dr. Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Who who believes in exercising while sick, which is really... Yeah. I'm going to have a conversation with Dr. Paul. And also... There's many things that you would find in Cara's house that you wouldn't find in my house and vice versa. And a mug with the title Dr. Paul would most definitely not be found in my house for a variety of reasons. If you're ever looking for an excellent gift to give your doctor as a thank you, I'm just going to tell you right now, this mug is the best shaped mug It's ever. a very good shape. It's a very good shape. And I don't know who gave it to him, but we fight over the Dr. Paul mug. In our house. And it's funny because Roger, this is the worst podcast episode ever, but it's entertaining me. Roger has this mug and it's a shape. It's hard to tell. I don't know, maybe in context. You see how it's like extra tall? Okay, so so listeners, my <laughs> mug is shaped. It's almost got a, a geometric bend in it about two thirds of the way down. So it's narrow at the top and then it gets wider, wider, wider. And then there's a sort of a point around the circumference, and then it dives back in at the bottom. And it's like this very satisfying. Vanessa just held up a gargantuan (laughs) cylinder. (laughs) It's just like an extra tall cylinder. And I love it because it's just like, I get more of whatever I'm drinking in it. And what what I mean by whatever I'm drinking, I mean coffee or tea. I don't mean like (laughs) a hot toddy or (laughs) absinthe. Which explains everything about this podcast. Yes, that's all you need to know. Goodbye. Okay, so I think we need a little comic relief because this week's Now What is about admission season in America. And in particular, around this time, it's really college admissions season. And I think the college process in this country is really messed up. And I think it's pretty broken. And I think it's doing really terrible things to the kids in this world. And it's too expensive. It's too stressful. People start worrying about the college process years before they ever did. We had a conversation with my parents the other day and they each only applied to three colleges because that's all the school would send their transcripts to. All the the schools there were in America. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Basically. But I'm feeling... I'm happy for the kids who've done well or have gone where they want to go or have gotten into. And I'm feeling really sad for the kids who are feeling disappointed and, you know, worthless because some school decided not to take them. And so this conversation, I think, Car is probably going to end up very wide ranging because there's a million directions we could go in. But it's just a kind of, I think, a way to say to people out there, We're here with you. We're listening. And also we are on a break from a college admissions process because we have kids who've gone through it the last two years and kids who are going to go through it next year and aren't going through it this year. And so we kind of get a breather and maybe a little perspective. Yeah, I think this is really a mental health conversation ultimately because what got us thinking about what we wanted to say was the fact that this process does create so much stress and so much anxiety. And at the end, while it is true that it works out for many and kids land where they should and you hear all these truisms and they're truisms for a reason, there are 
a number of kids and families who are left entirely scarred by the process and some who are left going to places that either are not what they imagined or are not going to be a great fit. And we're talking about, you know, these are kids who are lucky enough to go to college. These are kids who, many of whom will go into great debt in order to go to college. And so the notion that they're going to end up in a place that may not be or feel, forget be, feel like it's where they want to imagine their next four years. This is hard, right? This is hard. And this, I think what this does is this sets the stage for a piece of the mental health crisis that hits in senior year. And what we both saw with our kids who went through it was after the process was done and all the admissions letters were out and kids kind of knew where they were going, there was certainly for the vast majority a collective exhalation and everyone sort of got good with what their path was going to be and had the time to process it, but left essentially by the side of the collective road were a number of kids and families who were really struggling with where things landed. And I think struggling all the more because of social media and the posting, posting, posting of essays and acceptance letters and sweatshirts. So this is where we landed on this topic was really, I think if for nothing else, just to hold a mirror up to all of our behavior around the college process, because it's a great moment to say, how can we proceed differently as we head into it in the future? Yeah. I mean, I want to start with actually a caveat, which structurally, I'm not sure that's the best way to start a conversation is with a caveat, but I'm going to do it, Cara. I'm just going to go there. Go there. There are kids who get into their dream school and are unhappy and they leave. And there are kids who get into a school that they're disappointed to go to and they love it and they thrive. And there are a million permutations in between that. And I think as adults and as caregivers, the most important thing we can do, having nothing to do with scores and grades and colorful celebrations on children's beds and, you know, all of that is simply to let our kids know that what happens in the college process the disappointment, the exhilaration, the satisfaction, the relief, the fear, the anxiety, that is just life. And you get what you think you want, and then maybe that's not great, and you don't get what you thought you wanted, and then it ends up being wonderful. And just letting our kids know that that is the path of life and being on that journey with them in whatever way possible, I think is actually a good lesson in that. So we are not taking away... I love away... that. That's not a caveat. That is a fabulous opening shot of this. Well, I, I, it's really wonderful. It's, thank it, you. That's the... Okay, we're done. <laughs> that's... For the second time. <laughs> I mean, that's a, it's a really, really important point that can't be, can't be said enough times in enough different ways. And if you ask my kids when we talk about college, they roll their eyes and they're just like, oh, 
oh, my parents just always say they just want us to be happy and they don't care where we go to school. And fine, roll your eyes, make fun of me. But maybe there's also a piece of you that is internalizing, you meaning my kid, that like, I really don't care where you go as long as you find sources of meaning and happiness and joy and community and challenge and all of that. So that's the perspective I'm coming from. Now, let's start with the easy one. How do you handle it when your kid got what they wanted in the college process? Like you're just proud of your kid and you're in a community and you are celebrating the person you love most in the world how do we celebrate in a way that is gracious and self-aware and empathetic to those around us? I think the reason you're asking me this question (laughs) is because my experience with my oldest was that after a long journey, it was not sort of like she applied to one school and then she got in in September and boom, done, you know, really easy peasy. It was a long journey, but ultimately... Um, she was very lucky in the process and she landed in the place that she had really hoped she would land. And what you don't do, <laughs> I learned in hindsight, because that is always 2020, that mm-hmm. hindsight. What you don't do is you don't say, you cannot wear that college's sweatshirt because it's a flex, because you're showing off and there are other people who didn't get what they want and it's not kind. That is what I told her. That is what my husband told her. We were fairly emphatic about it. And it turns out it was probably not the right. I mean, I don't want to tell other parents there's a right and wrong here, but I can say I was so sure that I would feel that that was a right way to go. And it was only when two or three months later, she turned to us and said, am I ever going to be allowed to be proud that I got what I wanted. She said, I get it. It was a lot of luck. But can't I wear the swag? Why can't I tell the world? And, you know, I mean, I think the reason why we didn't want her to tell the world was because we were so busy thinking about everyone else that we actually forgot about how she felt. And so if your question is, how do we stay respectful to other people, but still honor the kid and their accomplishment slash luck? I think the answer is it's going to look different in every home. But if we're lucky enough to have the same outcome in another year, I'll do it differently in another year. I I don't think I will insist on taking that piece away because that that was not fair of me. So I think one rule of thumb is if you want to celebrate your kid and you're proud of your kid and they got what they wanted and they're going to the school, I mean, you can say to them, hey, I'm really proud of you and I love how hard you worked and how determined you were and you got what you were striving for. What is an appropriate way for me to celebrate you? Can I post on social media? Would you prefer that I not post on social media? Can I call some friends who I know would be really happy for you? Do you want me to buy some stuff? from? Like, I think in this situation it's actually their accomplishment and not our accomplishment. And so we kind of need to take their lead a little bit. The other thing to say is like, hey, I'm wondering how people at school are celebrating their acceptances. And like, what's your reaction to the different ways that people are behaving? Well, so, I mean, just to 
really reality check this. What happens when kids get accepted to college is they don't really care what their parents post. I mean, some do, some care what their parents post, but the way that kids find out about where other kids have gotten into college is one of two ways, Mm -hmm. typically. One is the best friend or best friends of that kid will post in their stories, you know, my BFF is going to, and they'll put the school on there. And now the news is out. The other way is that the person who just got admitted changes their bio. So it's their name and their school class of blah, blah, blah. So that's two- On Instagram. On Instagram or on any social media app. So that's two different ways that you can- the kids can and do advertise to the world where they've gotten into school because then they share the stories. And so if my best friend posted that I'm going to blah, blah, blah college, then I reposted on my stories. Now, everyone who follows me knows where I'm going to college. That makes us posting about them a bit of a moot point Mm -hmm. because us posting about them is about us. It is not about the world finding out where they go. And that was, frankly, that was my daughter's point. It's like, Mm -hmm. the world knows where I'm going to college. I feel pretty good about it. And you're telling me I can't wear a sweatshirt. And this gets to your second question, which is how it goes down at school. And the sweatshirt in particular is a very, very interesting phenomenon. You know, schools have adopted, not all, but many have adopted this tradition now of having a college sweatshirt day. Every school I ask, they have it. And it's generally the beginning of May, which is the time that kids have to have committed and signed their contract and they're, you know, they're definitely going. And I find the college sweatshirt day to, I just don't get it. There's still kids who are up in the air. There's still kids who are casting about who haven't found a spot. Like as a school administrator, I'm just wondering... I would love to hear from a school administrator who endorses the idea of a college sweatshirt day and help me to understand why it's okay. Because I think if there's one kid in the grade who doesn't have a spot and who's still floundering, that the other, whether it's 20 or 200 or 2,000 kids in the grade who are wearing sweatshirts, makes that one kid feel less than. And I think the answer is going to be what my daughter said to me, which is you can't take away everyone else's accomplishments just to spare the feelings of one kid. But I don't know. I really struggle with the college sweatshirt day. I got to say. Vanessa, we literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is factors ready to eat meals. They have been a godsend. We throw our factor meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and Out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies. So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press pause or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, 
Go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box. And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. Cara, lately I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family. So I've added magnesium breakthrough to my nightly routine and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep and I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky and I'm more patient with my family and with you. Oh, I've noticed. And it's because unlike other magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, Magnesium Breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, Magnesium Breakthrough is the way to go. It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at bioptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. Cara, my kids love Magic Spoon cereal. And even though it's cereal, they actually love it as a homework snack. The variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. And fruity is the favorite flavor in my house. Now, this pack has zero grams of sugar, between 13 and 14 grams of protein, and between four and five grams of net carbs per serving. It's made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and it's high in protein, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So a great choice, Vanessa. You can go to magicspoon.com slash puberty to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our, you guessed it, promo code puberty at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident you're going to love their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. They do not want you to send their cereal back to them. Try a bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash puberty and use the code puberty to save $5. It's fascinating because a friend of my sons, they were on a plane ride back from a lacrosse trip and this kid had gotten deferred from his early decision school. And then on the plane ride home, it turned out that he had been accepted, but nobody knew because he didn't tell anybody. And they were on the plane for hours because they were delayed. And then it was a fairly long flight. And, you know, my instinct is like, oh, that's amazing. Like to me, that's incredible to just have that accomplishment and, not advertise it and just have the satisfaction of having 
done this journey. But like, that's not fair of me. And I was like, I, who am I to judge? But when I was visiting high schools with my oldest trying to decide where to go, when they all they talked about was the college process and where the kids went to college, I just like, I couldn't stand it. It felt so backward. And the sweatshirt day feels like just like another version of that. Like the end all be all is like college and where you're going to college and and all that. And I feel like it's just so toxic for these kids, which is not at all to take away from the hard work and the determination of all the kids who've gotten into school somewhere. It's just like, I don't think we need it. But again, I feel like I can be very judgmental about this stuff. Right. But let's put a frame around it. We tell everyone, parents and kids alike, it's so important to be present. Live in the moment. Put down your devices. Right. Pay attention to the conversation. Do this, do that. And yet their entire high school career is focused on the future. I think that's what you're saying. And yeah. As, a, yeah. as a parent and as someone who works with teenagers, I find that hypocritical. And is there a way to walk back from that? And that sweatshirt day may be one of the reasons why it chafes me is that it advertises to the younger kids that that is the goal. Right. It really further reinforces in a very brand forward way that that is the goal. I don't think the school's mean it in that way. I think they mean it to celebrate the accomplishments. But this is a process that has gone so bananas. I mean, for every single spot that's available, there are so many more applications than there ever were before. We're talking about, you know, some schools have very high acceptance rates that they get, you know, a certain number of applicants and 75 or 80% of those applicants are going to get in. Some schools, many schools are a lower than 10% acceptance rate. And the most competitive schools are deemed the most competitive, not because of how hard they are, how whatever they are when you get there, but just based upon their admission rate, which can hover somewhere in the two and a half, three, three and a half percent range. And those are considered now metrics that make you the best, which is nuts. That's just, crazy that you are the best because people want to get in and they apply. And, you know, there are lots of reasons why these metrics exist. There are lots of schools pushing back, right? There are a whole Mm -hmm. host of law schools. And I think it started with Yale Law School, actually, who simply said, that's it. We don't care what our national ratings are, the US News World Report ratings. We don't care. We're not participating. Mm -hmm. And one of the big metrics that was used was yield. It was, you know, looking at how many people applied, what percentage get in, and then what percentage of those who get in go. And the law schools have really thrown out the national ranking system. And they've said, we will not participate in this, you know, bananas mission. And so hopefully the colleges will actually think about following suit because a lot of what we see playing out in the high schools is a function of what gets a college a higher U.S. News and World Report ranking or other institutional ranking. It doesn't have to be U.S. News and World Report. I think, Cara, this summer we'll have a college admissions expert on the podcast, selfishly because we'll both be going through the process, but also because it's so complicated and 
I think it would be really helpful to have someone just give us perspective. I want to go back to the original framework, which was the mental health aspect around the college admissions process. We've done the kid who's great and happy and feeling good and the, you know, parents will choose to celebrate them how they want. What about the kid who's just really down, disappointed, and just like not feeling good about their options? I mean, I just like there by the grace of God go any of us. And it's so hard. And like as a parent, to have a kid who's feeling disappointed is just one of the most heartbreaking aspects of caring for kids. Yeah. You know, while neither one of us is mental health providers, I think our advice is influenced by the mental health practitioners whom we have spoken with. And that advice is, do not tell your kids it's going to be okay and dismiss the feelings. Mm. I think that's the biggest, it may be okay. In fact, in most cases, it's actually okay. But the way in which that news is delivered can feel very dismissive. So I think the very first thing that a family can do when their kid is feeling down is get mental health support. Mm -hmm. Reach out to a therapist, a physician, a counselor, someone with mental health training, and ask them to help assess the situation and see, you know, is this just a a feeling about right now and the process and do they think the kids can be okay and what type of steps can that child take in order to come out of this funk around this or is there something bigger going on? The other thing is in this particular instance, there is a system in place in schools to help get kids into college, the college counselor system in schools. That same system doesn't disappear at this stage in the game. So there are college counselors who have written letters of recommendation for these kids and help shepherd the applications through. And those college counselors are still sitting in their office and they can and should know about what's going on for a particular kid so that they can help the kid and the family. This gets really hard in very large Mm under-resourced schools where there might be six, seven, eight hundred kids assigned to one counselor. So often that counselor doesn't really know the kid very well. Still, this is a person who works in this field who can help you figure out what the best next steps are. And so I would lean on both of those, mental health provider and the school college counselor whose job it is to sort of figure things out about this whole process. And you know what doesn't help when a kid is there is to start playing the blame game Mm. with the kid, with the school, with the counselor. Like at this point in the game, your goal is not to pin blame on someone. At this point in the game, your goal is to support a kid who's feeling really crappy. And so, yes, you might have frustrations about how it went or how the school handled it or you might have feelings about your own kid. You might feel disappointed in your kid. You might feel like your kid didn't work hard enough or study long enough or apply themselves to whatever tasks needed to happen. Like you can be having a lot of really complex feelings about your kid, but to turn around and say to your kid, you are such a disappointment. I told you you should have insert. 
whatever thing you had told them to do, this is not the time to play that game. I watched one parent do it so beautifully last year. They had a child who was unbelievable. A phenomenal student, really interesting kid, had these very unique interests that you know, were very well-developed and deep and years long and, you know, all the, all the things, right. And on paper was totally the kid who was going to be seen by colleges. And for whatever reason, this particular kid was not seen and did not get into any of the schools that they wanted to go to, did get into one school that was very underwhelming to them for a whole host of reasons where it was geographically, the size of the student body, blah, 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 just low on that person's list, but otherwise didn't have any options. And I watched the parent and this is what happened. So the first thing was that there was a lot of anger and blame, but it was directed in the right places. Mm. It didn't involve sitting with the kid and stirring that pot with the child. It involved the parent venting to friends Mm -hmm. and venting understandably and saying how sad and frustrated that they were that their child didn't get what, not just what they wanted, but also frankly, what it felt like they deserved. So there was room to be human and vent, but didn't involve the kid. And then the second thing that happened was there was some go into solution mode Mm. planning. And A family that very much had planned to send their child to college the next year said, you know what? Let's press pause. Let's figure out maybe there's something that over the next year you can do while you apply to other places. And let's see how it works out if we try again. And what's incredible is that now, a year later, this kid is going to one of the schools that was at the very top of the list initially and has had a year of employment, worked, didn't travel, didn't, like everyone's going to do it differently, but this particular kid had had a job and the job was so fulfilling and the experience was so incredible and the independence building was so amazing. And, you know, it was very painful to watch initially, but turned out to be a huge win. And I think partly because of the initial way the parent handled Mm -hmm. it, where it wasn't the blame game constantly and all around. It was, you know, that was very compartmentalized. I want to make a comment about judgment. And I don't mean judging. I mean, Cara and I have been a little bit judgmental on this. I want to talk about not judging schools. Well, before you say that, I hope we have not been judgmental. Were you going to say, I haven't been judgmental, but Vanessa, you have been. (laughs) No, no, no. I hope we have not. I mean, I do judge the schools a little bit, the high schools in the sweatshirt day. That, okay, yeah, I've been judgy there. But I want to be very clear, even when a parent goes about it in a way that's not the most constructive and things can go well and you can go about things in a non-constructive way, there is no room for judgment here. So there's no intention to judge how how parents and kids are handling this process. Okay, go on, Vanessa. Okay. Don't make passing comments or snide comments about schools that you hear about, schools that you hear that other people are going to, schools that you visit for your kid, but doesn't fall within your image of where your kid should go to school. The college landscape is changing so fast and so furiously 
that we have no idea where our children are going to go to college. And the schools that, you know, an adult judges and dismisses as, you know, not acceptable or not good enough, or, oh, can you believe that kid is going to that school? We really screw ourselves if we do that because we have no idea where our kids are going to go. And we have no idea where their friends are going to go. And we have no idea what financial aid needs people have and the choices they will have based on the financial aid packages they will receive from different institutions. And so we need to keep our mouths shut about all of it because we only know an nth of what is going on. Well, and also we've got it wrong at a lot of places. We've got 1980s or 1990s memories of institutions. And you know what? It's 2023. Yeah. So I think a lot of our judgment, the reason to put judgment aside is our judgments are, they're old. old. They're like us. Spoiled. (laughs) And right. And it's very important to go into the process and go through the process with wide eyes, taking in the information about how things have changed. Cara and I are going to listen to this episode in a few months when we have to go through this process. Yet again, I have the joy of going through it two more times after this fall. Lucky me. If you hear stories about parents who've done it well, parents who have, like the story that Cara told, parents who have faced setbacks, whose kids have faced setbacks and have figured out a way to carry on with grace and empathy and love for their kid in constructive ways, please write in and tell us. We'd love to hear more about this. If you have follow-on questions about your own kids' experience and kind of are looking for a little love and support as you navigate it, we are here. We can definitely recommend Grown and Flown, who have wonderful articles about all of the aspects of college, the college process, including the pain of the admissions process. So check that out. We'll link in our show notes. But be in touch with us. We know this is hard. We are thinking of all of you out there who are trying to land their kids in the best possible place and have strength because it will be okay. Maybe not tomorrow and maybe not next month, but you know, God willing, even in a year's time, it will be okay. And as the college counselor at my kids' school said, I love this quote. She said, you know, we think of it as an end and where they're landing, it is a beginning. And for some of them, it's not even the beginning. For some of them, their beginning is going to come after this. So that's just, it's a good reminder to put it all in perspective. It's like what someone said to me when I first got married. It's like everyone's focused on the wedding and like that the wedding is the end point. And the fact is the wedding is just the beginning And if you thought planning a wedding was hard, marriage is even harder. And the same is true for college. Like you thought the process of watching your kid apply to schools and hopefully get into schools was hard. And then they go to school. And then you have to worry about them and love them and support them from afar. And that's its own challenging journey. So it's not the end. It's just the beginning in all of the best and hardest ways. As always, thank you, Vanessa. Thanks, Cara. 
We absolutely love hearing your feedback and getting all your questions. So anytime you want to be in touch, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. If you're looking for great puberty products like the Oom shorts or the Oom socks or the Oom bra, you get the theme there, go to myoomla.com. If you want more content, you love what we do on the Puberty Podcast and you want to have us come speak or learn more about our book or subscribe to our amazing newsletter, The Awkward Roller Coaster, go to orderofmagnitude.co. Remember, it's .co because we don't have enough money to buy .com. Yet. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.